Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Before we get started, um, I, I want us to pray together for a couple of minutes and uh, there's a lot going on in the world today, as you know. And so would you join me in prayer? Lord God, we, we lift up our brothers and sisters in Israel and those across the Middle East that are caught in this conflict. And uh, we ask that you would come against the evil forces that are driving this. We pray for protection in our nation and our country, Lord God. We pray protection over our families and friends and Lord we just lift up all those that are caught in in the middle of this mess Lord God and, and we just pray your peace we pray the peace of Jerusalem we pray for your peace and protection over our brothers and sisters Lord God and uh, Lord this is such a mess that nobody can fix it but you and so we're just caught in this trap Lord God of, of praying and seeking you and asking that you would just protect those innocent lives that are being slaughtered and slain. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, it's kind of a, <clears throat> a sobering time, I guess. Um, and, and today's message is going to be a little bit different. Um, before I get to it, last week we heard some real-life testimonies of the Holy Spirit working in lives of some of our Life Fellowship family and I wanted to, to just thank everybody for sharing. Thank Al for facilitating and everyone that shared. You know, there's something that happens when we share our testimony. You can debate Scripture all day long. There's a lot of things you can debate. But when it comes to your personal testimony, that's really not debatable because it's something that you've experienced. And it's a great witnessing tool for those that uh, we work with and those who are around us. Um, we, we are in a significant world crisis and the church, the body of Christ needs to wake up. There's a war going on, and, and it's much more than just a war of bombs and rockets. There's a spiritual element to what we're seeing happening. And uh, I'm, I'm asking all of us to spend some time fasting and, and praying. I've been fasting for three days now, and I'm probably going to come off of it, but you know, we need to take what's happening in the world around us seriously. And uh, last year, Pastor Don, the Lord asked Pastor Don to, to fast for 70 weeks. Not consecutively, of course. But he's been fasting, and I talked to him last week, and he said he's in like week 66 or 67, somewhere in there. But he's been fasting and praying. And you know, one of the things that seems to be prevalent in the Western church is they won't fast and pray. And you know that every year at the beginning of the year, we do a 21-day fast. And I've asked you to please join in, and I know many of you have. But when, when we're facing trials and tribulations and an uncertainty in our world around us, we need to be on our knees, guys. Pray for Israel. Pray for America. Pray for the world. The issues are not just political. They're much larger than that. They're spiritual. And this is not a political message. This is not any of that. This is, 
listen, we need to understand that there's an enemy that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. There are principalities and powers in place that we need to pray, get rooted out, and we need to pray against those things. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, it says, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Another version says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in nature, but are mighty through God and pulling down the strongholds of the enemy. The enemy is seeking to destroy you and your family, to indoctrinate our children with all kinds of ungodly behavior. We see children being indoctrinated with violence. We see ungodly values being promoted in the world around us. As believers, maybe we need to stand up. Maybe we need to take our rightful role and position. God didn't just save us so we could get to heaven. But we have influence. So today, we're in this this series, Gifts from the Holy Spirit. And today's message is take action. Uh, The Lord called an audible last week, and I had another message planned, but he said, no, I want you to teach on something different. So we've been talking about the gifts from the Holy Spirit. But I want to pause here for a moment and, and talk about the Holy Spirit is a gift. You know, sometimes we value the gifts greater than the giver. And so we need to value the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the gifts are great. They're needed. They're important. But we need to value that. We need to, to uh, yield to Him, to the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is a gift from Jesus to us. The Holy Spirit empowers us and leads us to live a Christ-filled life. We cannot live the victorious life Christ came to give us without Holy Spirit. So my first point this morning is Holy Spirit is present and active. There are people that will disagree with that. But many times, as you heard last week, we see the Lord moving in ways that we may not recognize as the Holy Spirit. He's moving in our everyday life in the small things. Yes, we see people get healed. We see the power of God move. We see mountains move, spiritual mountains move. But God is in the everyday part of our life. And sometimes I think we miss that. Oh, well, that was just coincidence. Maybe it was a God incidence. I was thinking about Sheila praying about a job and then the the people on the elevator hiring her. You know, what, what, think about this for a moment. What are the chances of that happening? And so when we look at what God's doing in our life, maybe it's not just happenstance. Maybe God has a purpose and plan, and we need to acknowledge Him. I was talking with a, a bank teller the other day, and she was telling me about a book that she's reading. It's a study on, on God. And she said every chapter when she goes to church, she said the, the word, the message is about that. And she said, it's kind of freaking her out. And I said, well, you shouldn't be freaked out. That's the, that's the unity of the Holy Spirit working. Thank God. Give praise to God. And she said, yeah, maybe I should do that. 
In John 16, 13, and 14, Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And we've talked about this, and this word for truth is aletheia, which means truth versus an illusion. The Holy Spirit is not giving us some pie-in-the-sky illusion. He is telling us the truth. John 16, 13 continues, He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory. This is Jesus talking here. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Jesus is not hiding or keeping us in the dark. We have Holy Spirit speaking to us directly from the throne of God to lead us and guide us into all truth will tell us of things to come so that we're not left stranded and unaware of what's going on in the world today. But it's a spiritual connection. It's not the physical. It's in the spiritual that the Lord is speaking to our hearts. So Holy Spirit is present and active. My second point is Holy Spirit is our messenger from Jesus. He just said... Jesus is speaking to the Holy Spirit, telling the Holy Spirit what to give to us. Jesus gives us insight and direction through the Word of God. We read the Bible, we read the Scripture, and we are getting insight and direction. And if you stop and think about it for a moment, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And everything was created by him and for him and through him. He brought light into the world. Everything was created through him. And in verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, clearly talking about Jesus. So when we're reading the word, we're seeing Jesus in the word. Not only are we getting instruction and direction for our life, the Holy Spirit speaks to us individually. But he also speaks to us through our spiritual leaders. And so whenever I'm up here, whenever I'm interacting with you, I'm, I'm, many times I'm asking the Lord, how do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to say? Because God is speaking through me. He speaks through all of us. But as, as a senior pastor, he's given me the role and the responsibility. I don't always get to do what I want to do. Because the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us. Jesus has been and is speaking. Do we believe him? Have we grown complacent? Oh yeah, that's just the Lord. That's just the word. That's... Wait a minute. God from heaven is speaking into our lives. Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. The Holy Spirit will tell us of things to come about the future. Why? Because He loves us. Because we have this what? Relationship with Him. We're talking about hearing from the Lord. We're talking about heeding His voice. 
this morning. And I want to go back and I want to talk about five words that the Lord has given us over the past five years. That's not the only thing he's spoken to, to me or to you. But these things are critical. And we're seeing these things play out in the world right before our very eyes. We're seeing Scripture played out in, our, in, our, in the world around us right before our very eyes. On January 5th, 2019, the day before we begin our fast, the Lord told me we're in a reset. And many of you were here during that time, and, and you know that the landlord was going up on our rent 60%. So I knew that there would be a reset in our location, and we've been so, so pleased and blessed by the Rebikis opening up their home to us here and allowing us to meet here. But I didn't know that there was more to it than that. COVID had not yet hit, and COVID was a, a global instrument for a global change. How could, have anyone, how could anyone have known back then the impact and the reset that was going to happen? And after that, I was hearing other pastors and leaders talk about a reset. Pastor Don told me at the end of 2019, 11 or 12 months later, he got the same word. Re but it was a little bit different. It was reset and reveal. So, Holy Spirit is speaking in unity to those that are listening with ears to hear, but not only hearing it, but receiving what the Lord is telling us. On May 13, 2020, 12 days before the death of George Floyd, the Lord spoke to me again and said, The world as we know it will soon come to an end. It's interesting, when the Lord speaks, we need to listen to the words because he didn't say the world as you know it will soon come to an end. He said the world as we know it. God is in, involved in our lives. We're family. We have this relationship. So the things that impact us, he cares about. And he was telling us back then, three years ago, the world as we know it will soon come to an end. And as I shared that word with you, I said, look, I, I don't know what all that means. And little did I know, looking back, the, the implications and the impact of that. But w the world has changed. The death of George Floyd opened up a flood of racism, conflict, division, destruction. That was just another piece in the puzzle of the chaos that we're seeing in the world around us. The world we once knew has come to an end. It's never going to be the same. There are some shifts that take place that are permanent. So these first two words that the Lord gave me for us, and really it's more than just for us, it's, a, it's for the, the church at whole, but the first two words were informational. God was giving us information. We are in a reset the world as we know it will soon come to an end. The next three are instructional. May 22nd, 2021, prepare. The Lord woke me up and, and I went to my office and I wrote down, prepare. And he said, go back to bed. And I'm like, is that all? 
Really? That prepare? And when we start thinking about that word, what does that mean? Are we prepared? Do we have this relationship with the Lord? And I felt when he gave me that word that that was a very strong command for us, for his people. Not just for us, but for the the church at, at whole. And I suggested that we seek the Lord for personal understanding. I said, "What you need to pray and ask the Lord what this means for you and your family. We need to pray. What does that mean for our church family? We need to pray for understanding. Listen, when the Lord gives us a word, there's a purpose for it. And so we needed to be saying, Lord, what does this word prepare mean for me? Because it could mean something totally different to all of us. But yet it could mean the same thing in a lot of ways. Press in. Continue to develop your relationship with the Lord. That's what I was saying. At the end of the fast in 2022, on January 22nd and 23rd, The Lord woke me up and he said, are you prepared for my return? I was freaked out by that. I shouldn't be. We know he's coming, right? His word tells us he's coming. And we're saying, come Jesus. And then he says, are you prepared for my return? A couple hours later, I woke up and I apologized. and said, Lord, I'm so sorry. If there's more, would you please speak to me in the next? So he honored that prayer and he woke me up the next morning at three in the morning he said are you prepared for my return and then he said I'm returning soon I said Lord what do you want me to do with that word that's a heavy word we know that but there's so many people that are lost So many Christians that are playing church. He said, press into me. He said, press into me. I said, well, what do you want me to do regarding life fellowship? He said, tell them. Tell them. Ask them, are you prepared for my return? I'm returning soon. These should be very sobering words for us. So I want you to ponder this question. Are you prepared? Well, you know, there's a few things I need to do. There's a few things I need to get straight in my life. There's a few people I need to minister to or, or you know, share the gospel with. Why would the Lord be asking us if he wasn't desirous of you and me Pondering this question. This was January of 22. Almost two years ago. Look at the the unrest in the world around us. Are you prepared? What, What do you need to do to get prepared? And I'm not talking about going and buying a bunch of water or planting a garden or any of that that we saw at the turn of the century. I'm talking about spiritually. What are we doing? Are we really prepared? The last day of the fast this year, January 24, 2023, 
Again, these, these words have gone from uh, informational to instructional. And so the last day of the fast this year, you must learn to release those who stubbornly refuse to yield to me. Wow, that seems like a harsh word, Lord. You must learn to release those who stubbornly refuse to yield to me. Be more intentional in pouring into those who are genuinely seeking me. Time is short. Be more intentional in pouring into those who are genuinely seeking him. Who are you investing in? Maybe more importantly, what are you investing? We should continue to reach out to the lost. We'll continue to do the sunrise service at the chemo boardwalk and those things. We'll continue to share the gospel and be a light and share the hope of Jesus Christ with those whom we come in contact with. But are we looking for people that are really hungry for God, that really want to grow? People that will yield to the Lord? One of the most frustrating things for me is for people to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and they've got issues, but they will not yield to the Lord and put those down. We, listen, we all have some challenges, okay? None of us have arrived. Some people are not willing to yield to the Lord. The time is short. You know, if nothing else, we have one day less on this earth than we did yesterday. And are we maximizing the influence and the impact? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit when he says, Take, I want you to fast for three days because I want to show you something? Or are we too busy? Is it too inconvenient? When, when Holy Spirit says, I want you to, to go minister to somebody or spend time with them, are we too busy to listen to the, the direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives? So I'm going to ask you this question again. Actually, it's three, two questions, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. Jesus has been and is speaking. And the first time I ask you is, uh, do we believe him? But let me change that. Do you believe him? Do you believe him? Not have we grown complacent. Have you grown complacent? Has this Christian walk just become a mundane, you know, everyday thing? I go and check the box. Or are we going out and living it, this thing out? Are we taking the words of God that he has given to us? Are, are we taking that seriously? Holy Spirit is present and active. We are the recipients of the messages that God wants to give to us, to His people. Holy Spirit is our messenger from Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. Solomon co completed and dedicated the temple. He sacrificed 20, 22,000 cattle. <laughs> 120,000 sheep and goats. And the Lord was really pleased with that because he was giving. You know, when we talk about giving, bringing our tithes and, and those things, giving offerings, it's, it's a heart issue. 
It's not a money issue. And what God saw in Solomon was a heart issue. You know, if he would have probably given 2,000 cattle. But Solomon had an extravagant love for God. And he said, I'm going to give something. David said, I'll not give anything that doesn't cost me something. Because they understood some things that this relationship should drive us, desire us to give to the Lord extravagantly. Listen, all that He's given to us, eternal salvation, forgiveness of all of our sins, the breath, our provision. Then one night in 2 Chronicles 7, 12-16, then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. He goes on to say, at times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. The Lord was giving Solomon some insight in things to come. He was saying, you're going to face, you're, Israel's going to face some tough times because God is outside of time. He knew that the Israelites would worship pagan gods and turn from him from time to time. They continually rejected God and served other gods. Then they would be taken into captivity. They would cry out, oh, Lord, we need you. He would redeem them and restore them. See, their greatest problem, and I think our greatest problem today, is rejection of the Lord in our lives. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Sometimes difficulty seems to be the only way God gets our attention. What happened after 9-11? Oh, people are going to church now. We need God, you know. What's going to happen? A couple of months later, all that's evaporated. We're good now. We don't really need God. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, Then, if... My people who are called by my name. So you know it's conditional if. Who's his people? We are his people. The flock of his pasture. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. He's looking for people that are sincere that are intentional, that are honest, that are yielded, that are repentant. We don't like to talk about that word, repentant. Oh, we don't want to talk about repent. That may offend someone. Abstaining from sin. God was saying, if my people will turn from their wicked ways, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek me, then the Lord is not looking for carnal, fake, casual believers. And I think there's quickly approaching a time where you're going to have to choose. Are you a carnal, fake Christian? Are you just going through the motions? Or do you really have a relationship with Him? And is there evidence in your life? Second Chronicles 7.14 continues, I, Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. 
restore their land. So he's not talking about just spiritual. He's talking about physical. Now, it could be spiritual land as well. But he says, I will forgive their sins and heal their land. So he's talking to his, his people, the Israelites. And he's saying, humble yourself. Pray. Be intentionally. Be real about seeking me. And turn from your wicked ways. Stop sinning. Stop doing those things that you know are wrong. The word says, if we know it's sin and we keep sinning, it's sinful. And it it was conditional. Then, he says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins. And I will heal and restore your land. Listen, we need some of that today. In America, we need a restoration we're praying at the, at the property on Wednesday. If you're, off, if, if you're not working on Wednesday, come out and join us from 10 to 11 and pray with us. Second Chronicles 7.15, My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. The condition of our heart makes a difference. God is great, God is good, and we thank Him for this food. Amen. Let's eat. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this meal. There are people across the world that don't have anything to eat. They don't have any clean water. How many things do we take for granted? For I have chosen this temple, and I set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. He was talking about the temple. He was talking about a specific location Where he would speak to his people, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year and intercede and pray for the people and for the sins of the people. Not everyone had access to that Holy of Holies. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. A place where my name will be honored forever, I will always watch over it, for it is is dear to my heart. So he was talking about a specific location. Where he spoke to his people. What did he say about that? It will always be dear to my heart. Before Jesus, God's presence was housed in the Holy of Holies in the temple. Now. Now. He makes His presence in our heart. We are the temple of the Almighty God. God has always valued people more than religion and buildings. And we see these beautiful uh, chapels and churches with all the stained glass. And they're, they're beautiful. They're amazing. And that's great. God doesn't really care about that. Not to the degree that he cares about us in our heart. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Don't you realize that all of you together, all of us together, are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? (laughs) Verse 17. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. 
Do we ever stop to think about Holy Spirit residing in us, that God lives in us? They would keep the temple clean and sin free. Ooh, uh uh-oh. Are we keeping this temple clean and sin free? Are we serious about this relationship with the Lord? Holy Spirit lives within us. Consider the acceleration of the chaos in the world today. Do you think maybe God might be trying to get the attention of Israel, of America, of the world? When we were in Israel, they have a lot of Messianic Jews, people, Jews that believe in Christ. They have a lot of religion there too. So people are looking for the Messiah. Well, hey, hey dude, he came 2,000 years ago. And he still wants to have a relationship with you. The world powers have kept, uh, have been kept in check. But it's interesting now that they're rising up. We have, I mean, you can call it what you want, but we have open borders. And they're saying that six to seven million unfettered illegal entrances have happened. Many countries hate Israel. We, we see that. But many countries hate America, too. And with open borders, I wonder, did anybody ever consider that maybe terrorists would come in with ill intent for this country? I mean, just a question. Consider the impact of 19 terrorists on 9-11. What could thousands, tens of thousands of people with ill intent do to this country? If 19 terrorists can bring such chaos in our country, what could a a strategic unified attack do to this country? In World War II, the church was passive. Business as usual, show up at church. Okay, we're going to do our little church thing, and then we're going to go home. This is not a season to be asleep. Now, let me be clear. Our first allegiance is to the kingdom of God. But we live in this country. We're blessed to live in this country. And we should care about what happens here. Because if we're taken hostage or captive, it's going to impact all of us. It's going to impact the ability that we have now to preach the gospel openly. To, to reach those with the love of Christ. I'm asking all of us to be fasting and praying. I'm not going to tell you what to do or how long to do it, but I'm saying, listen, Life Fellowship, body of Christ, we need to be serious. We need to wake up to what's going on around us. And not not to protect our material things, but spiritually, what's happening? So many Christians, so many people are, are like asleep, man. Don't you see what's happening? And are we praying against the principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly places? Are we praying for God to, to move in a powerful way that we would that others would experience him and come to a relationship with him? The things going on in America, Israel, and the world should shake us from our slumber. 
Do we have to have another 9-11 to wake up and begin to pray and seek God? Hebrews 11.1, faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So thinking back on these five words the Lord gave me, I didn't know those things were going to happen. Nobody could have have known those things are going to happen except by the power of the Holy Spirit. When He's speaking to us, we need to be listening. The faith is not passive. Faith requires action. And the greatest action we can do probably is on our knees in prayer. I'm not saying pick up arms. The action we need to be taking is on our knees praying for the lost and and praying for those that are suffering. Praying that the Lord will will infuse greater love into our lives, that we would have a deeper, more personal, intimate relationship with Him. Jesus has and is speaking. Do we believe Him? Have we grown complacent? The Lord has been speaking to us. Life fellowship. Listen, I, I don't have any, any say over other churches and, and what other denominations and all that stuff do. My responsibility is to us. And I'm saying we need to wake up. We need to pray. We need to have the Holy Spirit give us insight into what's going on around us. Not only for our good, but for others. Are we paying attention? Or are we just checking a box? Holy Spirit is present and active. Holy Spirit is our messenger from Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. Paul's writing to his son in the faith. He says, you should know this. Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will only love themselves and their money. Oh, that's unlike today. Not. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Listen, there's no way I don't think anybody can say some of the atrocities that are going on today are okay. Decapitating babies, burning people alive, shooting people for no reason. How can that be good? I don't think anybody would call it good. That's evil. Let's call it what it is, okay? And if that offends somebody, well, be offended. (laughs) you know but before we look at Palestine and and some of these other things that are going on in the Middle East what about America I'm a 64 million abortions And, and listen if you've had an abortion and there's a good chance that somebody in here or watching online has, there's grace for that. But that doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it right. 
And so before we start pointing the fingers at other countries and other people, let's look in the mirror. What are we supporting? Are we, are we standing on the line of the Word of God and saying, look, right is right, wrong is wrong, and I love you enough to tell you? They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious. When we were in Israel, saw a lot of people that acted religious. They looked religious. They were religious. They weren't in a relationship with the Lord, but they had the look. They had all the stuff going on. They will act religious, but will reject the power that could make them godly. It's the power of God, it's the, the uh, Holy Spirit working in our lives that helps us to live this godly life. It's not by striving and, oh, I've got to stop doing that. It's the transformation that God does in our heart and life. The world needs to know that because the world thinks, oh, well, you know, as long as I look at pornography or as long as I do drugs or, or drink and, and, you know, all these things, then I'll never get to heaven or I can't be right with God. No, what you need is a heart transplant, a transformation that will change the way you think, that you will begin to see how you're destroying your own life. They will act religious but deny the but reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Holy Spirit is present and active. Are we presenting a place that's invitational for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives? Are we putting up a blockade, or maybe there's a little door there? Well, you can come in a little bit, but you start, you start talking to me about this. I, I close the door. Holy Spirit is present and active. Holy Spirit is our messenger from Jesus. He has a mandate for us from the Lord himself. Jesus is the hope of the world. We need to be serious about our relationship with him and try to convey that to others. It's not about, you know, religion. It's about this relationship. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. These uh, three things last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. If we really love people, maybe we'll risk out a little bit more because their soul Maybe hanging in the balance. Are we so afraid we may offend someone that we would let them suffer eternal destruction? 